On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, more Model 3 driving impressions after I got some additional time behind the wheel of the in-demand vehicle, the Model 3 design studio gets a minor update, a New Mexico lawmaker wants to legalize Tesla in his state, and much more. Welcome, friends. It's Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for February 18th, 2018. It's episode number 133. I'm Ryan McCaffrey chewing on a bone to my right or a whatever it is, those little like bully stick things. Daisy the Boxer Puppy. Uh, and it is an interesting week in Tesla news in that, uh, well, it's kind of things have, have calmed and quieted a bit and more and more cars are being produced. So we're hopefully just starting to trudge our way through Elon Musk's so-called production hell. Uh, But we'll get to plenty of fun stuff this week. I wanted to remind you real quick, uh, you may have already missed this depending on when you're listening, but I wanted to remind you that I'm doing uh, an Ask Me Anything on the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast on Monday, February 19th, which is the President's Day holiday, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific. So stop by and ask a question if you'd like to. If you uh, did happen to miss it, depending on when you're listening to this, you can still go there uh, without having to sign up for anything or sign into anything and just look at the uh, questions and answers uh, if you wanted to check that out again. Just trying a little something, see if people like it and want it, and see if I should do it again. So anyway, there's that. Uh, Moving on this week... I have it on pretty good authority that the dual motor situation, which, you know, has been the source of a lot of a lot of uh, griping and a lot of frustration, I think would be the better word than griping. But, you know, the whole thing of a lot of the Canadian reservations moving up to mid 2018 for dual motor, I have it on good authority that that is indeed a tax credit move. So those of you that that called in with that, emailed in with that. Uh, tip of the cap to you, because I, I I wasn't seeing it, but I guess Tesla Tesla must, because um, again, from from what we know now or seem to know, it doesn't seem like that checks out. But obviously, Tesla is the one that has the real no- numbers, and they know exactly what it would take to make sure that the maximum number of reservation holders. Uh, do benefit from that full tax credit, which I would have to imagine they probably feel a bit more compelled to do for as many reservation holders as possible now that there's been a second delay in Model 3 production. I still wish they'd explain themselves, even if it's in some sort of wink-wink, nudge-nudge way, you know, if they they don't want to risk the FUD or spreading uh, for, you know, people calling them out or, or, or risking the ire of the government by outright saying that they're, they're gaming the tax credit system for the, although it would be for the benefit of Americans. But in any case, that's, that's a, that's a separate conversation, but uh, perhaps another piece to this puzzle, by the way, is something that I I have to give some credit. A, A couple of listeners gave me a heads up about this, and that is the current Model X waiting time to configure and build a new Model X. If you look at any Model S, the 75, the 100, or the P100D, it shows a four to six week delivery window, which is pretty standard for any Tesla vehicle, at least for the S's and the X's. However, if you go into the Model X design studio and choose any Model X at all, 
you get an estimated delivery date of June. And that, considering we're here in February, that's a long, long way away. So I have to wonder, is Tesla sacrificing the X, in a sense, in the short term, so that more Model 3 customers, and thus, of course, eventually the S and X customers in that window too, can get that full tax credit. It's, a, it's, it's food for thought. You know, I, I can't give you anything more concrete than that, but it's food for thought for sure. Also, now that Tesla seems to be trying to maximize revenue on the Model 3s by selling more expensive configurations, I am left to wonder when we will see the performance version introduced. Hopefully, that's going to happen right alongside the dual motor car, since as far as manufacturing goes, it should mostly just be a matter of dropping the larger motor in the back instead of the, you know, the, the larger performance motor instead of the smaller standard motor. But again, that remains to be seen because outside of Elon confirming the existence of the performance version in a couple of tweets, there's, there's been no official communication from Tesla, the company, about the performance version of the Model 3 if and when it is coming. Finally, you remember that little tip I gave you last week about how to spot the dual motor Model 3 test cars out in the wild? Well, sure enough, it wasn't but a few days later that someone spotted a red Model 3 uh, out here in Daly City, California, which is just south of San Francisco. And that car had white interior and manufacturer license plates. So uh, what the stories out there that you may have seen reporting on this don't know that you guys do is that, per my source, that car is almost certainly also packing a second motor. Now, uh, let's talk about that white interior for a second. The pictures are blurry, which is no fault of the photographer in this case because that person was obviously snapping them at highway speeds while, you know, while driving as well. But we can once again see a white strip where the, on the dash where the open pour wood dashboard piece is now on the black interior cars. Also, uh, a big thing that I've certainly been wondering about since I'm interested in the white interior is it's tough to tell for sure, but I think, and I've, I've seen... Nobody's really agreeing with me on this uh, in, the, in the bit of chatter I've, I've seen online about it, which maybe, maybe that means I'm wrong here, but it does, it, it looks to me that the car might have black headliner, which is how the ultra-white interiors are on the S and the X. I can't say for sure it might just be shadowing or, or just poor lighting, because uh, for those of you who are Bay Area folks, you know that when I, when I say, well, it is Daly City after all, because <laughs> Daly City, for those of you Bay Area folks, you know, it's a very, very cloudy and foggy place almost all of the time. The sun does not find its way to the earth, uh, to, the, to the dirt in, uh, in Daly City particularly often. But a white interior car out there being, uh, being run around in the wild with manufacturer plates, which is, again, almost certainly, per my source, packing a dual motor. So Tesla moving forward, getting, the, getting things rolling, and uh, hopefully getting some more options out there very soon. Speaking of Model 3, one of our listeners uh, that you may remember, Michael from Milbrae, he's a pretty regular caller, he calls in after having just taken delivery 
of his Model 3. His call's a little long, but let's bear with him on this. He's excited. He just got the car. This is about a, a four minutes of impressions. So if uh, if you want to skip ahead at any point, skip ahead. That, that's the amount to skip ahead. But uh, here is Michael from Milbray giving his initial impressions of the Model 3. Uh, and he's coming from a Model X. So that is his point of comparison. Michael, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Michael from Milbray. I am calling from my brand new Model 3. Uh, wow, I, I just I just got it, um, and it, oh man, it's such an amazing car. I'm I'm still sort of in euphoria state right now. It's probably gonna last a long time, but I just wanted to call with my first impressions. Um, uh, just gonna just kind of stream of consciousness go through here. Uh, uh, door handles, piece of cake. Uh, easy to easy to use, learn. Um, you know, it doesn't matter which hand you use. It's just palm up or palm down. Um, Doors themselves kind of hard to close, but uh, maybe they can fix that at the at the service center. I don't know. Um, screen is amazing. It's 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 just miles away better than uh, than the SNX screen. Uh, the interface makes so much more sense. Um, extraordinarily responsive. Um, the GPS uses vector graphics, which is which is neat. It's got like perspective and stuff on it, um, and uh, the labels stay north up when you rotate, um, uh, seats are so comfortable, I, I, I am thrilled with them, um, the, let's see, phone key, phone key is fair, it, it works, but it's a little bit slow sometimes, um, like, I'll, I'll be, like, standing at the doorway, or at the door waiting for, you know, five or ten seconds, and then it'll unlock, um, I don't know if that's, if that's my phone, um, or, or the car, Hopefully they can do something about that with the software update. Uh, let's see, looking around. Headliner. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's out of sight. I don't. I, it looks. It looks fine. It looks. It looks good. I don't have any concerns. Um, um, AC is awesome. I love that. I love that vent across it. It's, it's, it's so neat. Um, um, let's see. Um, yeah, visibility out the back. Not great. Out the front. Awesome. Uh, autopilot is, um, uh, AP2 seems to still not be quite as good as AP1, um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's working fine for me right now, so that's, that's cool. Um, uh, bottom line, don't buy a Model S, honestly, like, this car is better in every way, the only reason to buy an S is if you want bigger and, like, better performance and stuff, but as a, as a, just, like, as a sedan, as a car to be in and ride in, this, this car is amazing. Um, on that note, though, uh, I actually sold my Model X this week, um, uh, after seeing the three at the showroom a few weeks ago, um, uh, my wife agreed with me and, and more specifically with you that the uh, the three is the future. There's no way that the S can't look like the three soon. They need to update that interior. They need to refresh it. Um, and uh, the X being the same interior as the S has to be updated at the same time. I just don't see them selling X's that look like the old S. Um, it would be like if they had the old nose cone. Um, uh, anyway. Uh, I 
So I told my ex, and, and when they come out with the new refresh, I'm planning on buying a new ex. Um, but I mentioned that to the to the guy who was helping me set up the three, and he uh, it was a very funny response. He, he sort of looked at me, and he, he said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, in a very sing-songy voice that indicated that a refresh was definitely imminent, and he knew about it. Um, if he knows about it, I assume that they must be training on it so that they can teach new customers how it works, and if they're training on it, it has to be soon. Uh, so maybe by next week's show, it will have actually come out, but it seems like an interior refresh is absolutely imminent, uh, so that's great news. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm at four and a half minutes. We'll probably be cutting this down, but um, I couldn't help myself. So, bye, take care, uh, love the car. Thank you, Michael. And like I said, normally I would cut down that call a little bit. Uh, in fact, to, to his credit, Michael offered to re-record it, but I, I said I wanted to leave it because that call forever preserves Michael in his euphoric post-Model 3 delivery state. And I want people to hear that. Heck, I want to hear that. So thank you, Michael, for those impressions. And we'll see if we get an interior refresh on the S or the X anytime soon. It would seem like it makes a ton of sense for that to happen sooner rather than later with, with what, you know, what direction the Model 3 is clearly pushing the company in as far as interior design and, and thought process goes. Now, speaking of Model 3 and specifically Michael from Milbray, he was kind enough to invite me over to, uh, to take his new Model 3 out for a drive, which I am incredibly grateful for. It was so nice of him to to trust me with that and to uh, to want to share that with me a little bit. And so I wanted to share some updated Model 3 driving impressions with you because, uh, you know, it, it's, it actually, a lot of it sort of crystallized for me. You know, you'll recall, obviously, back in November, I did an episode where uh, I got to got to drive a, a an early car that was that was brought over and uh, handed to me to drive by a very kind Tesla employee who had taken delivery of one of the early cars. And so now, you know, fast forward three months and getting to drive it again, being at least a little bit familiar with the car, it, uh, you know, I noticed some things and it sort of reaffirmed some of my other thoughts on it. So uh, I want to say first off, for some reason, the car felt quicker this time than the first time I drove it. it 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 doesn't really have that uh, the 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 kick at any point the way that uh, the all of the S's and X's at least the ones in the wake of the uncorking do, but man it it moves particularly well from around thirty to fifty miles an hour like that's where it feels like it's it's got uh, a, just a really nice power band and again. The Model 3 is just so much fun to drive. You know, it's lighter, it's it's narrower, it's nimbler than the Model S is, and certainly the Model X. It's just a really fun car to drive. You you just point and shoot. That's really it's uh that's what the car feels like. It is it is exceptionally fun to drive. The forward visibility, I know I'd, I'd mentioned this before, but the forward visibility is just phenomenal. You know, it's sort of a hybrid 
of the Model S and the Model X as far as what the driver is is seeing in front of them. Because you've got, you know, without an instrument cluster right in front of you, that you've got just nothing but, but windshield, really. You've got a lot of glass in front of you. You've got a lot uh, of visibility. You've still got that, uh, you know, you've got the, the frame above your head with the headliner and the... Uh, the uh, sun visors there, it's not an X where that, that glass just keeps right on going above your head, but it's just a really, really beautiful view from, from the driver's perspective. Uh, and on that note, the glass roof itself, the glass roof is awesome as well. It's, uh, it's super nice for the, the passengers sitting in the back. It just really opens up the car, makes it feel very, uh, you know, lets a lot of... Uh, not not like lets a lot of light in and that, you know, you're going to get sunburned or all that or anything like that, I don't think, even though nobody's taken delivery of one uh, in summer 2018 yet. But it just it's it really lets a lot of uh, of natural light into the cabin that that a metal roof would not. So love that glass roof. The seats, once again, I, I said this uh, after driving it last time, the seats are really comfortable. You know, I don't think personally, I know a seat is a pretty subjective thing mostly. I think there's there's certainly some objective things you could you could compare between the S and the X, uh, pardon me, the SX and 3 seats. But uh subjectively, I I really feel like the Model 3 seats are very very comfortable. I uh they're just it's it's a really nice comfortable ride. I wasn't in at any moment uncomfortable or wanting to shift myself around. Uh, good stuff there. Thumbs up on the seats. And the sound system is awesome. You know, I have to echo, uh, I already said this, but just echoing what a lot of the uh, folks who've taken delivery of early Model 3s have said, and obviously those people are all Model S and Model X owners who are used to the sound systems in those cars. The Model 3 sound system, at least with the premium interior, which obviously is, is every single Model 3 right now, the sound system is uh, subjectively, certainly for me, and a lot of people have said this, it is, I think it is better than the sound system in the S and the X. Um, now, Michael was coming from an X, and, and he told me, you heard a little bit of it on this call there, he told me he was blown away. Th- those were the words he used, that he was blown away. And think about that. Michael was already used to a Tesla, and this car, this newer, cheaper Tesla, floored him. So what that said to me is, man, think about what the reaction is going to be from people who are not coming from Teslas, who are coming from any other gas-powered car. Uh, that is, it is really going to open some eyes and, and really blow people away, I think, in, in many, many cases. Now, on the downsides, there were some things that, that were quick to show themselves as annoyances, and some of them may be able to be fixed as production moves on and Tesla tweaks things, and some of them might not be. But uh, the rear visibility, I think, is just straight up bad. Uh, I won't even call it disappointing. I, I will call it bad. The The car's tall butt makes it so that uh, you are, you're looking at, like, the driver. If you look at the rearview mirror, which is a small rearview mirror, it's like Model X tiny rearview mirror, uh, you're seeing, like, the eyes of the driver behind you. And uh, though my drive with Michael wasn't at night, my first one did have some nighttime driving. You know, it's, that's going to be an issue with, uh, you know, you won't necess- it's going to be tough to see cars behind you, I think, at night because their headlights aren't going to be coming through your, your 
rear glass at all because they're they're just going to be shining into the butt of the car where you won't see them. So that that's a disappointment. Uh, that uh, is probably my maybe even least favorite thing about the car, just because I I mean I don't think it's fixable at all. Now will will I get used to it? Yeah. Will all of us get used to it? Yeah. You know, it, it, but but just that is a thing that I think a lot of folks, and certainly I noticed right away. The rear view camera, this has been a hot topic of discussion online, uh, and I have to say, I, I don't think it's very good either. A lot of people say, well, you know, it's going to get better through software updates. I hope so. I hope it's addressed in some way by the time I get mine, whether it's a physical part upgrade, like a, a piece of hardware that's upgraded, a, a different camera, or some sort of software processing magic, or a combination of the two of them. It's not great for leaving on all the time while you drive, which I like to do whenever I have gotten the opportunity to drive an S or an X, because you know the, the manual blind spot visibility in an S and an X, and this applies, in my opinion, to the three as well. Like, if you turn and physically look, when you want to change lanes and you look over your left shoulder, uh, it's tough to see anything because of the C-pillars of the cars. And in the S and the X, the rear-view camera, you can just turn that on, and that, that really does a good job of, of uh, eliminating that blind spot. But it's the camera just doesn't... Um, it's not a very smooth... I don't know the, the sort of technical terminology for this, but the it's it's you know if you have it on while it's while the car is in motion you're getting kind of a not a slideshow type of thing but it's not the smoothest nicest uh, e- you know easiest thing to parse information from at a glance at speed so I really hope that's an area that can be adjusted I mean I would happily pay a little bit more money to have it you know be part of the premium package, like uh, make the premium package $5,100, and I would love to have a nicer rear view camera on the car, but we'll see how that evolves over time, if at all. Uh, You also, I learned, I did not learn this on my first drive, but I did confirm it this time, at least as the software is currently configured, this could obviously change in time, you can't have the backup camera and the music player up at the same time the way that you can with the navigation and then having a music player overlay on the bottom of the screen. So that I thought was kind of ridiculous as well. Uh, and then finally, I would, I would add again, same thing I said last time, adjusting your autopilot speed and follow distance via the touchscreen, still not great. Uh, because again, you have to take your eyes off of the road to do that. You, you've, you've got to, uh, you can kind of stab at it with your finger, but you really you need to you know move your eyes over to look at that. It would really be great if that if that functionality could be bound to those scroll wheels on the steering wheel. And and I I've got to think that that's gonna happen at some point via a software update because that's been a very very common complaint. And it just it's common it just makes sense to me. It seems like common sense, but uh, again, great. What a great car. It just made me more excited to get mine when the time comes. And uh, so, yeah, congratulations to Michael. I got one or two other calls from folks who took delivery as well. And thankfully, those calls are going to keep coming, and I encourage you to keep dialing in. I want to hear about your impressions of your Model 3 as you get them. 
Because again, this is this is what we've all, you know, many of us have been waiting for, is is the day when this car would really start rolling out and getting into our garages. And uh, it was a, it was an honor and a privilege to get to spend another I don't know 45 minutes or so with it, and just just made me all the more excited to get one. So thanks again, Michael from Milbray, and we'll move on here uh, with a quick note about a minor update to the Model 3 Design Studio. So this was sent to me by a few different uh, kind readers, I should say listeners as well. The first production delivery time is now showing a three to six week delivery window. It had uh, previously shown four weeks and some people had gotten them quicker. I don't know if other people had taken a little longer, but so they're kind of, Tesla's given themselves a little bit of 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 a wiggle room there. Three to six weeks delivery time for first production. Once, obviously, you will have to get invited and then configure your car first. But that's the window there. And the other thing was confirmation on something that I think we had assumed slash hoped but didn't know for sure until now. And that is when the standard battery does become available, which the first availability for that is showing as late 2018 for anyone... The premium upgrades package will be optional with that. It will not be forced the way it is right now on the long range option. So that really will be the $35,000 car uh, that is available in uh, currently scheduled for late 2018. So that is, that is good news there. I mean, the, the late 2018 part is obviously not great news for a lot of people as we went over last week, but it's it's uh, good to have confirmation that uh, that it will you will not have to pay another five thousand dollars on top of that when your thirty five thousand dollars standard battery does become available. Next up this week, New Mexico is Tesla's latest battleground state in their ongoing fight to be allowed to sell their vehicles direct to consumers without being required to run everything through a middleman, aka a dealership. State Senator Jerry Ortiz Epino has introduced a new bill to allow Tesla to do their thing. It is state bill, it's SB 255, if you are a New Mexico listener of this podcast. So if you're a Tesla owner in New Mexico, you may have already received an email from Tesla about this. We talked recently about how Tesla seems to be a lot more proactive about trying to get the word out and, and drum up some grassroots support for these things. But uh, so, it, you know, owners may have gotten an email that had a link to contacting your state representatives in it. But for those of you who aren't owners yet and would like to be a part of this, I am here to help. So uh, if you go to NM, as in New Mexico, nmlegis.gov, so N-M-L-E-G-I-S dot G-O-V, and click on the Contact tab on the right-hand side of the page, then select Find My Legislator, you can put in your information, and it will pull up who your specific representatives are and, and uh, how you can contact them to show your support for this bill, tell them you want to see this bill pass, you want to see Tesla be able to do business direct to consumers in the state of New Mexico. Finally this week, the next generation Roadster prototype, which is uh, talking about the red one that they were giving test rides in at the reveal event 
last November, uh, which is the only known working prototype because there was a gray one at that semi-reveal, which is, uh, appears to be a rolling mule. That car is on display in the Bay Area. Now, right now, as I press pause for a second, right now, you Bay Area folks, and I know there are a lot of you, are probably having the exact same reaction that I did when I first started reading about this. And that is, where can I see it? Is it at the factory? Well, unfortunately, you can't see it. Neither can I. It is at Tesla's corporate headquarters in Palo Alto. Photos of the car were posted to the Tesla Motors Reddit page by none other than Casey Spencer, whom you may remember is a gentleman that I interviewed on this podcast a year, maybe even two years ago at this point. He, if you don't remember, set the hypermiling record, the, the furthest distance traveled on a single charge uh, in his Model S. He, I guess he presumably got hired by Tesla at some point along the way because he posted the pictures on, the, on Reddit and wrote, quote, we have a visitor at work today. Uh, I tried to reach out to, to Casey about this, but his Twitter DMs aren't open and he hasn't tweeted in over a year, so I wonder if he may have either just decided he didn't want to do Twitter anymore, or maybe he got hired at Tesla and has just been super busy, because what I hear is people that work at Tesla, you know, they're doing great stuff, but they're, they're kept very, very busy. But Casey, if you happen to be listening to this, congratulations on your apparent hiring at Tesla. It's uh, great to hear that, that you, it sounds like you're over there. That's fantastic stuff. And boy, those, yeah, those pictures, head over to the Tesla Reddit, some just beautiful pictures, some up-close shots in pretty good lighting uh, of the, that red Roadster prototype. What a beautiful, beautiful machine. That's it for the Tesla news this week, but got a ton of excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls queued up. You'll remember, didn't do the Ride the Lightning hotline last week because of, uh, you know, the, the quarterly earnings takes up the whole show. So we've got all the great stuff from last week and this week's calls. So uh, I have put together as many of them as I can, but if I were to do them all, we'd, we'd be here all night uh, or all day, depending on when you're listening to this. So uh, some of them will be saved for the monthly Patreon-exclusive bonus episode of the show that happens once a month on Patreon, uh, where... All of the extra awesome calls go that uh, that I can't get to on the regular weekly show. So I'll be right back with the Ride the Lightning hotline for you right after this. Real quick before I get to the Ride the Lightning hotline, you might remember friend of the show Joe Edgel of Emotion Rentals. Joe rents Tesla Model X's, S's, and Roadsters in the Washington, D.C. area. Joe asked me to mention a couple of exciting new things for anybody traveling to the D.C. area. He recently upgraded his Model S to a 100D in order to provide maximum range. And hey, the uh, 100D gets some nice performance, too. Joe's also offering special winter pricing on all his Teslas with rates as low as $84 per day with a weekly rental. With rates that low, hey, might be worth planning a vacation to D.C., maybe even catch those cherry blossoms blooming in D.C. So please check out his website at emotion.rentals. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N dot rentals. All right, Ride the Lightning hotline time. Of course, 
It's uh, your time to shine. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, I encourage you to send it my way. You've got a couple of easy ways to do that. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder to record something and then email me the file, which is uh, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. You dial it anytime, day or night, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted like I do with them or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Dorn in Greenwood, Indiana. Got to drive the Model 3 as a part of UU's tour across the U.S. and Canada. Let's hear what he had to say about it. You're on the air. Hi, this is Dorn from uh, Greenwood, Indiana. Um, I got a chance to sit and drive the Model 3 about two weeks ago when... Um, it was traveling around the country and Canada, but uh, I really thought that the car was a little small. Uh, I'm a somewhat of a, I guess, average size, six foot tall, but I just feel like the car was a little small and it just didn't have the road presence that I was expecting from uh, Tesla, uh, especially on the front end. The front end just goes so low and it's so small that uh, if you're looking at it compared to a Model S, it kind of looks like uh, a little Honda Accord or, uh, I'm sorry, Honda Civic or even some of the smaller Chevy. Uh, on the inside, same thing. I just felt like for a normal, average family that's maybe, you know, husband, wife, and a couple of kids or three kids um, is not going to be able to sit in a car comfortably. So, therefore, I not going to get the model three i'm going to i got the model s 2016 2017 model with the new face and couldn't be happier um i can definitely tell the difference between a thirty-five thousand dollar car and a much more expensive version of the of the tesla so anyway thanks for um playing this if you play it it's a great show always like hearing it um been listening for about two years so thank you so much and talk to you later, sometime soon. Thank you for calling in. This is why it's awesome to have a big audience, so that we can all get a lot of different perspectives and learn from each other. I know I find that valuable, very, very valuable to me. Having been lucky enough to start seeing them pop up in the wild around here now, I've had the chance to see them parked in driveways. And one driveway near my brother-in-law's house had a 3 and an S, both parked side-by-side, pointing the same direction, noses facing the street. And so to your specific comment about the front feeling small, I think I was able to pinpoint the source of that, at least for me, after seeing them side by side like that. And it's, we know that the Model 3 is a bit narrower than the Model S. Not by much, but by a few inches. I think the reason that the Model 3 looks so much smaller when it's standing next to the S is because the 3 is basically the exact same height as the S, despite being a bit narrower. So that makes it look skinnier than it already is, particularly, again, next to the Model S. Objectively, I don't think it's... 
I don't think anybody would really say the three is a small car, but subjectively, it can definitely be just that, depending on what you're looking for in a car and what you're comparing it to. I'm super glad that you bought an S and that it's the right fit for you. So happy electric motoring. Next is Tim from San Diego. Uh, he wanted to talk about sort of his situation uh, about supporting Tesla on their mission, but but the delay and, and that whole thing. So uh, he's got some questions. Let's talk to Tim. This is Tim from San Diego, listener of Ride the Lightning going back about a year. First of all, I want to thank you, Ryan, for your honesty, your sincerity, and your good-natured enthusiasm for your topic. You definitely make the airwaves a nicer place to spend time. I'm a Day 3 Model 3 reservation holder. My main incentives for wanting this car are first, to support a company working hard to change the world in the right way, and second, to do my part to reduce my carbon footprint. I drove a Nissan Leaf from 2011 to 2016 and a Chevy Volt from 2016 to the present time. My question is this. I am very interested in buying a first production vehicle especially because of the 310-plus-mile range. How great would it be to drive from San Diego to L.A. and maybe all the way back without having to stop and charge? Remember, I drove a Nissan Leaf for five years, so I know a thing or two about range anxiety. Now, for what I don't like, the premium upgrades, which add $5,000 onto the price. I want the long-range battery pack, but I certainly don't need all the bells and whistles. The standard features are fine. Why do I have to pay for premium upgrades I don't want? If Tesla is all about being different and putting the customer first, why are they forcing buyers of first production vehicles to pay for premium upgrades? I don't get it. Do you think, Ryan, that at some later point in time, it will be possible for customers to get the long-range battery pack and nix the premium upgrades? I sure hope so. One other thing, why does every color other than black cost an extra $1,000? I would prefer to get a color other than black, but if it's going to cost me another $1,000, I'll go with the black. Any thoughts on this? Thanks again, Ryan, for putting out a quality show each week. I always look forward to it. What a great call, Tim, and thank you so much for the kind words. Now, to your questions. First, I don't know the reason why Tesla is forcing the premium package on the first production cars. Uh, it's basically a known fact that doing the glass roof makes it easier for the robots to access the interior of the car during production. Uh, we heard that, you know, back with the one reason that the glass roof was standardized on the Model S. And since obviously Tesla is trying to ramp up production, every single shortcut counts. So it could be that. Uh, also... It could certainly be that Tesla wants to maximize profits on all the early cars, an idea backed up by the fact that they're starting with the long-range battery rather than starting with the standard battery. It could very well also be both of these things or something else entirely, but it is what it is. Now, you will absolutely have a chance to buy a long-range Model 3 without a premium package. Unfortunately, we have zero idea of when that will be. Finally, as to the color situation, 
Many manufacturers upcharge for non-black or white paint colors. Uh, that doesn't excuse it. I'm, I'm not excusing it, but... Because to me, it doesn't make sense that the multi-coat red and the pearl white, which is also a multi-coat, cost the exact same as the blue, the metallic silver, and the... Uh, or rather, the... the um, yeah, silver metallic, or the regular silver and because you're you're getting an extra coat of paint like why why you're getting an extra coat of paint for free so that whole pricing scheme uh, on and I, I don't say scheme in a nefarious way but that whole pricing structure seems a bit odd to me not just with tesla but again with basically the entire automotive industry it's weird i'll i'll leave you with something to think about though maybe you've already considered this but here goes anyway if you want first production Odds are you're going to be eligible for the full $7,500 federal tax credit when your number does come up, when your invitation does finally arrive. That $7,500 more than covers the premium package. And since you, Tim, are a fellow California resident, uh, that means you're also eligible for another $2,500 rebate from the state of California as well. So you could get your first production car stuck with a premium package, whether you want it or not, and still come ahead $5,000 in the tax credit department. So maybe, you know, I'm sure you've already thought of that, but just in case, I'll float it out there as food for thought. I hope that helps. Next is Dave from Northeast Georgia. He got to experience a Model 3 for the first time and wanted to share his thoughts, so let's hear from Dave. Hey, Ryan, this is Dave from Northeast Georgia. Um, I was listening to episode 131 from this past week, and uh, you had solicited comments from other viewers who had had a chance to experience the Model 3, so I thought I'd uh, call in and give you mine. Um, my coworker, who is a uh, current Model S owner, was uh, also a, a day one reservation holder, and he was fortunate enough to get a chance to place his order and, and get very early delivery. So I had a, uh, an opportunity to sit in and experience his Model 3 up close and personal. Um, I've also been able to view several others at the Decatur um, Service Center. And overall, my impression of it is that it's really quite a nice car. Um, generally, fit finish is quite good. I haven't noticed any obvious issues with panel alignment or panel gaps or anything like that. And I do feel like it looks a lot better in person than it does in pictures. Um, I will say that as I am a Model X owner, and that is, of course, a fairly large car. Um, and having having the opportunity to sit in my coworker's Model 3, it, it's striking to me how small that car is, even compared to a, a Nissan Leaf or a, a Toyota Prius. It feels to me like a smaller car than a lot of these others. So as far as my perception goes, I'm not sure that I can be comfortable moving to a Model 3 that's that much smaller. But then again, my needs fit the Model X, which is part of why I got that. Um, I think the interior quality is pretty good. Um, I do think the, the hollow blue over the headliner is maybe a little bit overblown. It's not as nice as the Alcantara, but it's a headliner. 
Um, the, the key thing that strikes me about the Model 3, though, is the lack of the instrument cluster near the steering wheel. And I know, I'm, I'm sure that you've talked about this, and I know a lot of other people have referenced the lawn suites about how, you know, no, it's not going to have a heads-up display, and, and you're just not going to care. And I think that overlooks a couple of key points. Um, one of the key points is that, obviously, full self-driving is not available today. So you, even if you, you know, you wouldn't care because you don't need it, you can't today. And it may not be available for another year, two years, five years. We don't really have a good timeline for that. But ignoring that, even if it was available today, I think that statement overlooks the fact that a lot of people might not be able to afford buying or might not think that it's worthwhile. And so for now, you have a lot of people who have to drive their car, and even beyond when full self-driving is available, they may not be able to afford it, and so will still be in a position where they have to drive. And I, I'm not convinced that the information display on the center screen is quite sufficient to overcome that, that information, uh, to, you know, drawing your attention away from driving. So, I don't know, give me your thoughts on this. I'd love to hear what you think, whether or not maybe I'm overblowing the issue. Uh, maybe it's something to get used to pretty easily, pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Tesla ends up making adjustments in future versions of the Model 3 or uh, finding a way to make it so that it is standard equipment in every car so that people can really don't have to care when it's fully available. Love your show, and keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Thank you for the call, Dave. This this call was a bit longer than I ideally like for the show. A friendly reminder to folks to please keep them as close to about a minute as possible. But the thing is, you brought up a great point, so I wanted to go ahead and play this. I hadn't really thought about the idea that even if full self-driving was available today, that it's $8,000 to get there. So that would mean a lot of people couldn't or wouldn't spend that money to get it. Thus, hand-waving the lack of an instrument cluster or a HUD away isn't quite as easy as, as just, oh, you won't care because of full self-driving. However, it also sounds like, Dave, uh, that you haven't had a chance to actually drive the Model 3. And again, I mentioned earlier, I was lucky enough to have that opportunity. And I had to say, it just it didn't bug me nearly as much as I thought it would. And I, I think you're going to find that you end up feeling the same way. Maybe not in your first drive, but after a couple, uh, two or three runs, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. That The part that was pretty terrible to me, which I, I, I mentioned it, just on this very show after after getting to, to take it out for a spin again was the uh, inability to adjust autopilot speed and follow distance using the scroll wheels on the steering wheel. I, it was it's it's just you know it's really harrowing to have to take your eyes off the road to to look over and adjust those on the center display. But again, I, I have to believe that Tesla has heard enough of that feedback now and that they are going to change it. So I don't think that you're blowing the concern out of proportion, but I think you might be less bothered by it than you expect once you actually do get to drive the car. So thanks for the great call, Dave. Let's move on to Miranda, who wanted to comment 
on the production delay for Model 3 and what it's going to mean for her. Miranda, you're on the air. Hello, this is Miranda. I've been a longtime listener, and I really enjoy the show. I just wanted to comment about the uh, yet another delay with the Tesla Model 3. I was originally going to wait for the all-wheel drive and buy a standard battery. Um, my job requires me to be on the road quite a bit, and I live in Rhode Island, um, and I drive all around Massachusetts for my job. So I was considering the long-range battery and maybe in addition to the all-wheel drive, but I think because of this delay, and I do want to get the tax credit, at least some of it, I think this has actually pushed me into considering the long-range model, and maybe I'll just put some snow tires on my car. So I don't know what other people are doing, but I think this has kind of worked out in Tesla's favor for me to get the more expensive um, type of Model 3. Thank you again for the show, and have a great rest of the year. Bye. Thank you for the call and for the kind words, Miranda. You make a good point. By sticking to their guns on the higher-priced configurations for the foreseeable future, Tesla is bound to nudge some people into spending more money to get their cars sooner. And even if some people, particularly standard battery reservation holders, might cancel, which, you know, I wouldn't blame them for, they can afford that, Tesla can, in the short term, with so many reservations that need to be fulfilled, and with overall Tesla awareness in the country and really the world being so low, relatively speaking. Remember, Tesla still hasn't done a shred of official advertising, unless you count the Falcon Heavy launch that SpaceX did. (laughs) Of course, everybody was uh, seeing the pictures of Starman and floating around in space in the Roadster. Um, So, you know, they can maximize their average sale price per car on the Model 3 for now, And they only stand to get more reservations as time goes on and word of this thing really starts to spread. I hope you get your car soon, Miranda. Thanks so much for calling in. Next up is Holfield from Miami, who, of course, was uh, unsurprisingly disappointed with the delay. Here's what he plans to do. Holfield, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Holfield from Miami, Florida. I'm a Model 3 reservation holder. Like many other reservation holders, I was very disappointed in seeing my date shift another quarter. I was originally a standard range guy, but after the first delay, I decided I would get first production. I seriously considered canceling my reservation after this most recent delay, but when I thought about my options, I kept it. I considered getting a Bolt or a Leaf instead, perhaps leasing them, and then once the Model 3 production ramp stabilizes and my lease expires, then I'd be able to get a Model 3 much easier. While playing out all these options, I always figured I would regret not getting the Model 3 and that I settled for less. While waiting things out, I was leaning towards getting a CPO Model S with Autopilot 1.0. My reasoning being that it would be about the same price. Autopilot 1.0 is currently better than Autopilot 2.0 for now, and I could say I have a Tesla. But when I considered how much larger the Model S is and the newness of the tech in the Model 3, Uh, I decided to stay in this abusive relationship that is being a Model 3 reservation holder. Thank you. Goodbye. The thing I try to keep in mind is to remember that S and X early adopters had it way worse than we do. Just to remind everybody, including myself, but there you go. Uh, Here's another listener like Miranda who is stepping up their order in order to get the car sooner. 
Perhaps this is Tesla's secret master plan with production right now, and perhaps it's even working. At least the tax credit's gonna offset a huge chunk of that $9,000 upgrade to the long range battery. That $5,000 premium package on the other hand. Ugh. But thank you for the call, Holfield. Really appreciate it. We've got a few more though. We're not done yet. Let's go to Kenny from Newport News, Virginia who uh, is a bigger gentleman and wants to check in with uh, some impressions of being in the uh, Tesla vehicles as a big and tall fellow. So, Kenny, take it away. Hey, Ryan. What's going on, man? This is Kenny from Newport News, Virginia. I just want to call in this week and take a couple of minutes to give a unique perspective to sitting in a Model S3 and a Model X. This past weekend was a stellar weekend for me. I've been listening to these podcasts you've been producing for quite a while, doing a lot of research, looking into these vehicles. But, unfortunately, I hadn't got to sit in one. Well, this weekend, all that changed. My brother, Chess, who also listens to the podcast, happened to borrow a Model S. He borrowed a P85D. And let me just tell you, for this being the first time, I was blown away. But the unique perspective that I wanted to provide was that of a big man. So I'm six foot one, about 350 pounds, pretty big guy. And a lot of times I have trouble fitting comfortably in cars. Let's face it, big guy, big problem. But I have some good news. For anyone who's listening to the show and is a large guy, I just want to say that sitting in all three of these vehicles was very comfortable. So this weekend we went to a ribbon-cutting ceremony for some Tesla destination chargers over in Norfolk. And while we were there, there was a Model 3. The only one in this area was so lucky enough to be there and get to sit in it. Uh, like I said, my brother had the Model S, and then someone else there had a T100D Model X. After sitting in all three cars, this is what I can kind of say. So the Model S was definitely the most comfortable. The only problem with getting into the Model S is that Entrance and exit of the vehicle is a little tricky because the B-pillar is so far forward. But once you get in, plenty of space, good leg room, plenty of room with both myself and my brother, who's also a pretty big guy, sitting in the car. We were very comfortable. Now, as for the Model 3, actually, that one was a little bit easier to get into, in my opinion. But once you close the door, it fit a little tighter. So the car I currently drive is a 2011 Mercedes E350. Now, getting into the Model 3 was about like this car. Maybe it was a little bit smaller, so just kind of a note there with the, with the center console, it definitely was a little bit smaller than the Model S, which had plenty of leg room to open widespread as you want. So then also, like I said, I got the Model X. The Model X was plenty of room in that as well, which I'm sure you can imagine because, you know, for big guys out there listening, you know, who haven't sat in one, it's your SUV size, so you get a little bit more room in there. 
But in my opinion, I would definitely pick the Model S any day because it definitely was a comfortable feel. Getting in and out, not so easy, but still not terrible. But once you get in there, oh, it's so comfortable. The seats are so comfortable. Had the Alcantara headliner. It just it was, it was great. So I just want to kind of put this out there for any big guys who listen to the podcast that need that perspective. Thanks, Ryan. Keep putting out good content. Love the show, man. Kenny, let me start just by saying that I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. You're still floating on cloud nine from getting to experience all three of these cars in a single weekend, aren't you? And I love that, by the way. That's exactly what this is all about. That's what this podcast is about. That's what our shared passion for Tesla and Tesla's cars is all about and Tesla's mission. I love it. Thank you so much for that call. And you give good perspective, too. I'm actually surprised you didn't pick the X just because as a bigger guy, it's easier to get in and out of and it even has more headroom, but it sounds like you are a sedan guy. You like that sporty look and feel, and that, my friend, is all good. And I'd completely agree with you, by the way. Uh, I've also spent a decent amount of time in all three cars, and the three is definitely easier to get in and out of than the S is. Good stuff, Kenny. Thank you very much once again for your call. Let's move to our friend Joe Edgel. He has a different take on the standard battery delay. So, Joe, what do you think? Hi, Ryan. This is Joe Edgel of Emotion Rentals. I was just listening to episode 132 and your comment about Tesla delaying production of the standard battery. You noted that it was based on them wanting to make more money, and I have an alternate explanation for you. Remember, initially, they had just estimated what the demand would be for the small and large battery. But now, as you and other Model 3 reservation holders know, they have a questionnaire that they have you fill out, and that questionnaire asks, among other things, what battery someone wants, whether they want a dual or single motor, and other information. It's possible, based on the data from this new questionnaire, that Tesla found that very few people were interested in the smaller battery vehicle. And as a result, with demand so low, they may have decided to push production of that standard range battery back in favor of satisfying the much higher demand for the larger battery. So perhaps you're right, perhaps it is making more money, but perhaps it's also based upon having more information about what people actually want. Anyhow, Ryan, keep up the great work, love the show, and we'll talk to you soon. You may be right, Joe. The numbers don't lie, but only Tesla has the numbers. And I just, got to, I just can't bring myself to believe that theory though, and I'll tell you why. Tesla has done the near impossible in so many things. One of them being a successful metamorphosis from a startup into a cool brand. People aspire to own Teslas. Heck, all of us listening who don't already own one aspire to own a Tesla. But a forty-four dollars to a $49,000 car is a lot different than a $35,000 car. I have to think that the majority of reservation holders want the standard battery overall. Like if I could peek at those numbers that Tesla has and you know that people have selected the the configuration they're waiting for in the uh, in the the my Tesla account, I would place a small wager that standard battery is the bulk of those. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe particularly with the early adopters, the people that did wait in line and sign up in 2016, maybe a lot of those people do want to spend a little more and get the bigger battery. But I, I think in time, for sure, 
the standard battery is going to be the highest selling variant of the Model 3. But uh, I mean, Tesla is going to sell every optioned up three that they can before having to finally sell the $35,000 car towards the end of this year uh, by the current updated plan. I, I wish Elon would just sort of clearly explain it. I know I've said this a couple of times, but uh, for now, we'll just, we just have to roll with it. Thanks, Joe. Let's go to Matt in Rally. Uh, we've got our final few calls here. Matt calls in regarding his Model 3 reservation and some uh, questions and a topic of discussion there as well. Matt, go ahead. Hey Ryan, it's Matt in Raleigh. I just wanted to share a little tidbit of information I discovered the other day regarding Model 3 reservations. Of course, I was aware that uh, Model 3 reservations that are placed by existing Tesla owners get priority over those who don't currently own a Tesla. However, I wasn't sure what the situation was for us, seeing as how we placed our Model 3 reservation before we purchased the Model S. And I was able to contact Tesla and confirm that we actually get bumped to the head of the line as well, even though we purchased the S after placing the Model 3 reservation. Whether or not this makes sense is debatable. We placed our Model 3 reservation in the middle of 2017, so quite a bit later than a lot of other folks, and then we purchased our Model S in October of the same year. And uh, we actually received our invite to configure a Model 3 yesterday. So whether or not that makes sense, um, my personal opinion is it's kind of uh, crummy for Tesla to place existing owners ahead of those who haven't gotten to enjoy the experience yet. I could easily see this alienating non-Tesla owners. I hope that doesn't happen, uh, but hopefully they can continue ramping production and eventually start uh, inviting non-Tesla owners, because uh, right now I could see this being a very frustrating situation for those people. Anyway, I just wanted to share what I found out. Thanks so much. Yeah, this has been a hot topic of discussion on the Tesla Motors Club forums lately. Apparently all Model S and Model X owners, regardless of when they bought their Model S or X, and regardless of when they place their Model 3 reservation, get bumped to the front of the line. I've touched on this before, so I won't dwell on it, but yeah, I think it's a bit of a shame that there's really no consideration given, right now anyway, to the non-owners who camped out overnight, in line, trying to get as close to the front of that line as possible to get their first Tesla at a price that they could afford. But the good news is that non-owner production should be starting in the next month to three months at the absolute latest, uh, barring another setback. So in the not-too-distant future, the reality is we're going to forget all about this and start looking forward to getting our cars. Thanks for calling in, Matt. Next is Dave in Northeast Georgia. He responds to the earnings call episode that uh, we had last week. Dave, what do you got? Hey, Ryan. This is Dave from Northeast Georgia. Um, I was listening to your podcast where you went over the fourth quarter and I guess end of year results. Um, it was really well done. I think you did a good job of uh, distilling out all the truly interesting parts. One thing that sort of struck me about Elon's uh, comment about full self-driving and the end-to-end or coast-to-coast demo that's going to be coming up. Um, I wonder if we're actually going to see in consumer cars a rollout of enhanced autopilot features followed by full self-driving or 
if he's sort of going to jump the gun and roll out something that is effectively full self-driving with a feature-limited pilot derived from that, I want to get your sense on that from his comments and see, uh, you know, hopefully in the three to six month time frame, uh, we might start seeing some of those goodies come out of our car. Thanks, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Dave. Different people are interpreting Elon's comments on that differently. I gave you my take last week, but to answer your question, no. I don't see Tesla skipping level three on the consumer rollout because I just don't think that would be practical, really. There is no doubt a lot to learn from additional enhanced autopilot features such as uh, self-driving level three. And in fact, Elon has been teasing more autopilot features on the way soon via, of course, his Twitter account. I, I tell you, I think 2018 is going to be a very interesting year for autopilot. This is the autopilot team's second year of effectively starting over in the wake of the somewhat messy divorce that Tesla had with Mobileye. And I tell you that the autopilot team, they've worked incredibly hard to try and get autopilot two up to par with where autopilot one was. Can they finally get over that hump this year and surpass where they were with Mobileye? I hope so, but I'm honestly not getting my hopes up. And I say that not as a slight against Tesla or the autopilot team, but simply as an acknowledgement of the difficulty of the task at hand. I have every confidence that Tesla and the autopilot team will get there. Because like every other seemingly impossible or never-before-done task that Tesla undertakes, they get there. It's just a matter of when, not if. Thank you, Dave. And let's see, two last calls for this week. Our friend Mike in Charlottesville uh, got a chance encounter with a Model 3. Mike, why don't you tell us about it? Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Charlottesville. So... Um, I typically do this about once a week. There's a Charlottesville or there's a supercharger in Charlottesville. It's about five minutes from my house. So I randomly just take trips by to see if I can see a Model 3. So I, surprisingly enough and ironically enough, was getting gas at the local Costco and went by the supercharger right after I was done. And lo and behold, a brand new white uh, Model 3 was sitting there. And I approached the... Uh, the owner and she was graciously enough to let me sit in it and it was gorgeous. Um, seeing the, uh, the all glass roof was awesome. The screen looked amazing. Unfortunately, I sat in it for maybe about 30 seconds, but that 30 seconds was enough to hook me. And now I have to get it. I don't care if I end up getting the, the low, the low version and the, uh, the standard version, but the Tesla is just gorgeous. It, it'll be nice in any configuration that you get, but, uh, just wanted to share it. It was awesome, and uh, hope you're doing well. Thanks. Mike, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing it. It's important to be polite to any Tesla owner that you approach to check out their car, as I'm sure Mike was. I mean, you should be polite all the time, I would hope. Uh, anyway, my point is that Tesla owners, in my experience, seem to be an unusually generous lot with stuff like this. Uh, long ago, I talked about this when I, uh, at one point, shared an anecdote about how many people have just basically handed me the key fob to their $100,000 Tesla over the years. I mean, it doesn't happen every day, mind you, although it happened last weekend with Michael from Milbray and his Model 3, but it's happened enough. 
Uh, and in some of the cases, it was with people that I barely knew at the time that it, I've been convinced with enough of a sample size over the years that there does seem to be something extra special and awesome about Tesla owners, and that is they are eager to share their enthusiasm. And that is such a wonderful thing that we should all try to do ourselves as we all become Tesla owners for the first time over the next year and couple years. Experiencing a Tesla, as we all know who, who've had the opportunity, that is the key to quote unquote getting it with these cars. Just, you know, remember that when you get yours and other people approach you to check it out. Taking us home this week is Matt from Cincinnati with a question about the Model 3's glass roof. Matt, take it away. Hi, Ryan. Matt from Cincinnati. Um, I had a question about the Model 3 that hopefully any owners or people that have driven it uh, might be able to answer. So whenever anybody talks about the glass roof, the tinting, they always talk about the sun and the heat. But I'm wondering, with having that much glass over top of you, a lot of times when you're driving in really cold climates and you put your wind, your, your hand next to like the, the driver's side window or the passenger side window, you can feel the cold coming off the glass because obviously the glass doesn't insulate, uh, you know, as well as like fabric or something like that. So what I'm wondering is in the winter time when you're say driving on the freeway or you're, uh, you're, uh, you know, got snow on top of your roof, uh, are you going to feel all of the cold air coming off of this glass roof, hitting you in the head, hitting you in the back, because obviously cold air falls. Um, I didn't know if anybody had experience with that. Obviously, I know that you can use the heating system to try and, uh, you know, uh, minimize that, but I still wonder if that'll be a concern with people that live in cold climates. So, uh, just wanted to pass that along in case anybody uh, has insight. Uh, keep up the good work. Look forward to the show. Thanks. That is an excellent concern, Matt. I've been reading everything from the early Model 3 owners on the Tesla Motors Club forums, and I haven't seen anybody post any concerns about the actual top of the cabin area feeling cold. I'd have to imagine it would certainly be cold to the touch if you did actually put your hand up against it, but from I haven't read anything about anybody saying, Ugh, you know, you know <laughs> scalp's cold, top of my head's cold. If anybody out there has a Model 3 in cold weather and wants to call in and comment, I would, of course, welcome that. Model S owners with the all-glass roof, or, or certainly the panoramic roof, could also add to this conversation uh, if anybody wants to help put Matt at ease. Thanks so much, Matt, and thanks to all of you. So many great calls over the last couple of weeks. Uh, again, we're back to normal, where the Ride the Lightning hotline will be in every week's episode. Again, we just skipped it last week. Because with the earnings call and the analysis there, that just took up uh, a whole ton of time and didn't want to make it a three-hour show uh, because you have a life and you don't want to necessarily spend all of it sitting here listening to this podcast. But uh, yeah, back to the Ride the Lightning hotline each and every week. So I would encourage you, send in your Tesla questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, you can either record something into the built-in voice recorder software in your smartphone and then email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or it's very easy as well to call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, and it's 1-888-989-8752. Be right back after this to wrap things up for you.
Before I go, I want to remind you that if you're on Twitter, you can follow me there if you like. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. You can also email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I want to thank David Vakil, our newest Patreon producer, as well as the rest of the Patreon producers, the kind souls who support my efforts here with the podcast at the $20 level or higher each and every month. They are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Opre, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, John Lasher, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, uh, and that is everybody. Thank you all so much. If you are shopping for Tesla accessories for your S, X, or Model 3, check out abstractocean.com. They've got a lot of lighting stuff. That's probably what they're best known for, but they've got all kinds of stuff there if you want to take a look and browse around. Abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTL podcast at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. Uh, and of course, for those of you in the Bay Area or picking your car up in the Bay Area, don't miss Immaculate Reflections. Keep that new Tesla looking nice. I plan to myself. I'm trying to budget that into my car. Uh, Immaculate Reflections, the Bay Area's premier detailing solution. They're in Brentwood, California, not too far from the Fremont factory. Check them out at irdetailing.com. Also on Yelp or Instagram at those sites slash immaculate underscore reflections. Whether you're doing paint correction, new car delivery prep, ceramic coating, paint protection film, etc. Mix, match, do it all. Uh, whatever you want to do, keep that new Tesla looking nice. If you're buying a new Tesla, you can get uh, the free unlimited... Lifetime supercharging using my cousin Pat's code. Patrick5008 is the code to give your sales advisor, or if you're configuring online, just type in, type into a web browser, ts.la slash Patrick5008 there. Uh, and I think that about wraps it up. Again, I'm on Patreon, which I mentioned at the top with the AMA that's going on, but it's patreon.com slash Podcast. Totally optional, but if you do appreciate and like what I'm doing here, maybe you want to consider supporting me on Patreon. That will wrap it up for another busy week here on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You can subscribe if you don't already. You can subscribe pretty much all the major spots. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, which of course TuneIn is in the Teslas as well, so you can get this show in your car if you're a Tesla owner. And now Spotify. We're on Spotify as well. And then there's the podcast hosting site if you just want to browse for individual MP3 downloads or sign up, or, you know, subscribe to the RSS feed. You can go to teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Libsyn spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Thank you all so much for a very sleepy, boy, she's out cold, <laughs> a sleepy Daisy the Boxer Puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much. It's been another fun week of covering the world of Tesla, and I'll, of course, be back with you next week. Happy electric motoring.